We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. <laughs> All right, folks, what's going on? You are live with the Eight Black Hands podcast. This is episode 70. We're talking about COVID and uh, fall plans for return uh, to school. Fellas, how y'all doing, man? Let's do a a, a quick uh, roundabout so we can check in and see how everybody's doing. We'll start with Reef. Reef, what's up, man? Hey, man. Oh, good to see y'all. Um, things going well, man. On one on one side, you know, um, it's been rough. We we lost a former student of Shoemaker. You know, um, was murdered, and so you know the community is grieving that. Um, on the other side of the uh, the continuum, uh, we start our summer programming tomorrow morning. 8 a.m. sharp. So, um, so yeah. So, the whole range of emotions, man. The past uh, week or so, but it's great to be here. Good to see y'all. Episode 70. That's that's dope, man. That's some good stuff. That's 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 a lot. That that's is a lot, man. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's lot. a lot. Swing that thing to Charles, man. Charles, what's up, man? Check in. Yeah, man. Uh, it's it's. I mean, like it's you know, it's an interesting time, man. I'm trying to stay off of social media except for to do work. Um. Get on there and get off. You got a little bit of echo, Chris. Get get it get in there to get off. I mean, uh, and then um, you know, just been just been working, man. I'm ready to get back, you know, back to where I was at and, and continue to do some work and uh making sure folks got what they need, you know, to be successful, man. So um it's good to see everybody. Yeah. Chris, hey, we do we just, we doing check-ins, boss. How you doing? We got you. We just can't hear you. You look good though, but we can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> so you, I mean, he was miming, you know, you can read the lips or whatever, but uh, I'm glad you can hear us, but we can't hear you at the moment. Say something, Chris. All right. So let's got you. Go ahead, Ray. Was it? I think right. you're fixing it. So, fellas, <laughs> big in the news, man. How, how are you doing, Ray? How, how are you doing, bro? Mm-hmm. Bro, I'm doing well, man. I'm, God is good. God is amazing, and uh, and yeah, I'm here. Um, yeah, thanks for asking. Um, so yeah, so in the news, man, we got Betsy DeVos making her rounds about fall reentry plans. We got Donald Trump uh, t- on the spiel talking about uh, it's mandatory that schools reopen, and then there's just a lot of pressure from politicians to reopen schools in the fall, um, not necessarily knowing, you know. What's at stake here? So we got a clip of uh of uh Betsy DeVos. Let's 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 start it off with that while uh Chris gets his uh his shit together. Right now, out of the nation's capital. Secretary, very good to have you. Welcome. Thanks, Neil. Great to be with you. I, I caught, you know, a, a little bit of the back and forth that, that was, was going, going on with, with the, the coronavirus, coronavirus commission and then more or less indicating that things are set for a gradual reopening in our country that continues. But as you know, Secretary, it's been bumpy in some states. What's to stop a governor in some of those states where the cases are jumping a little bit to hold off on whether they're able to announce opening schools in the fall? Well, clearly, clearly it's, it's in everyone's, everyone's interest, interest, particularly the kids' interest, to get back to school. And so we are strongly encouraging and urging governors across the country to reopen schools this fall for uh, teachers and administrators, school leaders to be planning for that and anticipating that all kids will be able to be back in school this fall. Uh, there's nothing in the data that suggests it would not be appropriate to have kids in school. And while there may be spikes in certain areas, areas and certain certain communities, those Those are exceptions to the rule. The rule should be that kids need to be back in school. It's it's important for their health across the board. Certainly their physical health we're paying attention to uh, with keeping them safe from the virus for the most part. And yet there are other factors. There are other uh, measures that have to be considered. And it's important that kids get back to learning, that families are able to count on that on behalf of their kids. 
You know, you say the administration is strongly urging uh, kids go back to school, but you're doing more than that, right? The president is threatening aid to, to those that don't. What do you think of that? Well, American investment in education is really a promise to students and their families. And if schools aren't going to reopen again, uh, that's, a, a you know, breaking that promise. And so why should they receive funds for something they're not going to do? In that case, perhaps the funds but should go to the families to make... But there are extenuating circumstances, right? I mean, uh, they don't willy-nilly break a promise. And not, uh, we haven't seen a school system yet that has defied that. But, but I mean, it, well, there, there uh, was uh, this so, little thing called the coronavirus, right? Yeah, but a, a, a very good example right here in uh, the neighborhoods of Washington, D.C., Fairfax County, um, one of the most wealthy school districts in the country, um, has they made a disaster of their distance learning this spring. And then they've given families two options for the fall. Your kids can come to school zero days a week or they can come to school two days a week. Now, those aren't choices. Those aren't really options. And that's not really reopening school. What we're saying is kids have got to get back to school. They've got to get back with their peers. They've got to get back to learning because this is a, a broader health issue for them. And frankly, it's, a, it's a, an issue for the, for the future of our country. If kids miss more months, if not years of learning, uh, it, it puts everyone at a huge disadvantage. Well, what about in those areas, and they include a lot of Republican-run state areas, Florida, Texas, Arizona, as you know, Secretary, that are seeing a spike in cases. Go ahead. That's 314. That's the clip. So, so that's, what, is that, what that's the part you want to hear, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, from you think? zero to 315. Man, you know what? <laughs> she did. You know, it's one, it's not surprising. I mean, this is the same administration that wanted uh, people to bring, uh, you know, staff and to bring guns to school, you know, so they, you know, they have no problem with putting children at risk, staff at risk. They have, you know, they've shown it, you know, we, we know what it, what it means to have, uh, you know, folks with, with racial bias to have a, a gun on their hip and, and bullets in the chamber. And they wanted that. Now they're saying like, hey, things may happen, but it's OK. Like they, you know, it's, it's just such shallow and constricted thinking. It's consistent, though. Like we should not be surprised. And I think a lot of parents going to be like, y'all can y'all can open all y'all want. <laughs> y'all can open every door and every window. We ain't coming, you know, so and I understand that 100 percent. Charles, swing it to you. Yeah, I think I think it's I, I I agree with you, Sharif. I think that like in a world where we just released people that were in prison, we commuted sentences because this has been such a deadly and viral like uh, uh, disease um, and just outbreak. And now because of political reasons, right? Even in the midst of surging, uh, we want to play politics with young people. And I think that that's a I think that's a problem. And we know who that's going to impact the most. So uh, that's all I saw with that. I didn't see really I didn't see real compassion. I didn't see real empathy for people. And uh, I think this was an opportunity to have a real conversation or something that's difficult. Uh, but I think that she opted to play politics. Chris, can you all hear me now? Yes, sir. Hear you now, bro. It's not my mic, man. Um, listen, this isn't a very empathetic administration. So if anybody was expecting empathy or, or um, you know, the, something that was more emotive, this isn't the administration to get it. And it's also not the greatest administration when it comes to planning things and uh, responding to a pandemic, responding to emergencies, um, making sure that the infrastructures are strong. So we're in real uncertain times. I think this is a time where communities themselves, like most of this problem that we have had so far, most of the problems that we've had with this administration, it all boils down to local control of things are going to be where the real magic is going to happen. You're going to need real leadership at the local levels. Governors, mayors, uh, school boards, whatnot, are on their own. And they, they got to figure these things out. Whether or not kids can get back to school or not um, um, is something that even parents 
are not clear on yet. I know I'm not. I know my family's not ready uh, to just jump in and trust school districts with our kids. Um, and, you know, choice doesn't mean anything to me right now either. So, you know, Betsy, like, you know, saying we could take our money and go to different places. Where are we going to go? <laughs> where are we going to go? That is, is there a Rona free zone that I don't know about somewhere? Is, is, is you know, are we going to like arm kids with Lysol and send them to private schools? What are we going to do? Yeah. Man, so so my take is is is, is pretty simple, uh, and it pretty much aligns with you guys' take as well. But there's some of the things that she said that kind of jumped out at me that like kind of bothered me. Uh, and when she was like, "Yo, it's in everyone's best interest," and then she said that it's in kids' best interest. So it's like, yo, you can't say that it's in everyone's best interest when you got thousands of teachers that are telling you that it is not in our best interest to get back into the classroom. It's just like, it's like this, this administration is not listening to, they're not listening to folks. And then, you know, she's like, uh, in certain communities, you know, when they start threatening funds from the federal level uh, for folks that don't understand, usually those Title I funds, those are the funds that go to inner city uh, schools and to rural schools. So basically those schools, I mean, those funds help supplement poor, poor folks. Right. And so when she's threatening, uh, threatening to take funds from folks, that's basically taking funds from poor people, poor and disenfranchised folks, just so that you guys know, because schools are funded from the local level. Uh, that's why you pay your real estate taxes. And that's why people select to live where they want to live in terms of using that as a form of choice. And then from the state level, you get aid. And then lastly, from the federal level, you get aid, which is the least amount of the total amount of aid that you get. And so, you know, as Chris alluded to before, you know, the local level with uh, with your school leadership and then the school board, those are the ones that are going to be prominent in making these decisions. Uh, And then also at the state level. Ray, isn't she kind of saying, though, that you're not going to get money for nothing? Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't that yeah, kind of what she's she saying? So, so, I mean, to be fair to her, she's kind of saying you're not going to have your teachers saying they're going to do distance learning and only teaching four hours a week or something like that and get full per pupil yeah. and not have your kids back in school again. You know, I, I kind of get yeah. a little bit to be fair to them. I think there's a little sentiment around you're not going to keep things shut down and still get paid what you were getting paid before. That money's got to go somewhere to people that want to educate kids. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I think so, it's just so how here, brash here. she was, though. Like, right? Like, she was just so brash about it, right? Like, when the when you getting when she's getting corrected by the Fox anchor, right? It's kind of like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, it's, yeah, it's, and here's yeah, the thing, right? True. Because I want us to be let's let's also be honest about this, right? Like, parents need to like parents need to work. It's going to be very difficult if schools don't open back up. It's hard to have a plan, right? But again, this was the opportunity for empathy and kind of saying, okay, let's be collective about this and figure out solutions. There's going to be different solutions for different folks. You know what I'm saying? And I think that like she didn't even have like in, in her mind. I, I mean, I, I feel like she should have opened up the door for conversation to happen because the feds don't control how schools operate in, in, in localities. Right. That's why that's I think. And I appreciate Ray for explaining that. A lot of people don't know that. Right. Like so nobody actually has to listen to what the feds say. You might lose some money that they might offer you or whatnot. Um, and I think this is the time when you really need superintendents and school leaders to show moral courage uh, and put the health and safety of their kids first. And and let's not act like just amazing education was happening before that, uh, especially for the schools that she's talking about. So there's a lot to unpack, but I think that she was so cavalier that, and we people, and we just don't like her. I don't like her. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's a bunch of things at once. I don't have a reason not to uh, like this. Well, I'm, I'm, I, I don't. And, and so, but I'm just saying, but I think there's a lot of things at once that's helping form the opinion on how she came out in these conversations. I mean, you listen, she could never win from the beginning. I don't know her personally, but if I was her, I'd be I don't know her like, personally, so I don't no, I'd be ferocious if I was her by now. I wouldn't give a damn if you liked me or not, because they, right. they, they were after her from day one. Like, they were after her the very first moment she walked but in. for good reason, though. For good reason. For good reason. I mean, reason. whatever. 
whatever. She's been made into the villain. She's got the black hat on or whatnot. We got other people walking made into the villain. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. Come on. Like, listen, I'm not going to support. I'm not going to support what she's doing. Let's not let's not play politics. Let's not play politics here. Let's not play politics here, sir. She's from your party. What? What? It's your party, bro. But yeah, that's all fine and well. But like, what? But what ed secretary do you know that you can name that didn't have qualified that didn't have proper qualifications in terms of having an educator's background? Education. They didn't. They didn't think that Arnie Duncan. They didn't think Arnie Duncan had the the right qualifications. As a matter of fact, that's from day one. That's what they were saying about him. They were saying that when he was a superintendent, you, right? Have you, so, have you read Ernie Duncan's? Like, <laughs> I mean, uh, listen, That's I, a I love Ernie. He, he is, but he was getting yeah. he was getting drugged his entire eight or he wasn't there for eight years. He was getting there his entire time that he was there. He was getting drugged. Period. Yeah, he's getting drugged yeah. just like she's getting. Not well, I shouldn't say just like she is. She's getting drugged. Hers is a special drag. Hers is a little different. It's a, it's, Hers yeah. is a special drag. It's a different drag. I mean, but right, she's so, a I mean, but she's she's putting herself in a position to, and I agree with you about the the you know. The, the white hat. Um, you know, like she. You don't think it's a black hat? No, it is a black hat. It's negative, devil food, angel food. Yeah, you know I mean, I, I got time for all their little, you know, uh, colorism stuff. But no, but seriously, though, listen, she's, she consistently, you know, just says ignorant stuff like that. That clip that was ignorant. You know that that, that was not showing that you have a not only a clue but like just a you know just a understanding like a like a so as you said a level of empathy right like you it'd be different as you said if you're coming in with dialogue and saying hey here are all the things that we're concerned about we're concerned about the educators we're concerned about the children we're concerned about children who are going home in intergenerational families right we're concerned with with educators who um you know like what do you do if if one kid gets sick right like at least come up with questions if a kid gets sick or a teacher gets sick <laughs> what happens right you shut down for two weeks is it just the, is it the entire school? Is it the class? Like what what happens with all of that? Right. Like she's not coming with that. She's just coming. Y'all better open these schools. And, and the thing about like, you know, uh, Trump is talking about, man, that's the first time I said his name in a long time. You know, for 45 when he threatens to cut back money. First of all, somebody states need to band together and sue him if, if he tries that nonsense. Secondly. They weren't given it's we all said we all recognize that black and brown schools are perpetually underfunded. Right. And so it's, it's I think it's bigger than the idea of like, oh, well, since you are not open, we're going to give you even less. You weren't paying. You weren't given an adequate amount anyway. Right. Like you don't you don't take on the the role of of supporting these uh, these communities anyway. And then lastly, I would say it'd be different if, if I was superintendent, I'd say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to invest. Yes, we're going to change the, the pay scale a little bit of something and we're going to deal with training because we know in the spring everybody was just thrust into you know positions that none of us were prepared for i wasn't prepared for that as a parent or a former principal all of that right like it was a whole lot to try to take on so suppose they said like hey you know what we're going to take it on differently everybody's going to be family's going to have a better understanding of how to do this stuff in philly and other places all our folks don't even have good internet yet right like you know so it's a whole lot of things that that people have to deal with man and she does, she's so far. I think people when they're super super wealthy, sometimes they're so far removed from the day to day experience of people that they they just they're on another planet, man. Mm. Well, right. listen, let's what would you do show. though? I mean, listen, I thought, I honestly, thought this was the show. show. Yeah, this was we the have show. a show. We it's do not the show. Oh, all right. I, th- I thought this was the show. Yeah, What's I, thought, the show? I thought I was in the show. All right. Yeah, so, we must be. This is a parallel universe. We in a different show. It's like the Black Mirror. All right. So to the parents. So to oh damn, you want you want keep this ain't Freedom Friday either. <laughs> so no, this Black Friday Mirror is better. This Freedom Black Friday Mirror is better than this nonsense. Keep it going. I don't know about that. I've been looking at them numbers, but anyway, uh, how has uh, how has or hasn't distant learning uh, worked for you and your families during COVID? Uh, was it enough? And uh, uh, what would you like to see more or less of? And I'm talking to you know the parents that had to you know you guys on the forum that had to jump in and, and do online learning. What was y'all thought? And how could it get better? 
Well, I think y'all heard me say before that uh, it was better for us before the school district started doing it. So in the period of time where we were on our own and we had to get the kids up every morning and get them at the table uh, doing stuff, whatever, we were pulling together resources that were that we felt like were tailored just for them. And it, it, it was actually fairly harmonious. It was good. You know, I was living in my homeschooling dream. And then the school district, after a couple of weeks, got their act together and then they started sending stuff out to us and um, um, saying, OK, we're ready for real. Let's do it. And the kids hated it from day one. They just really didn't like it. It was a lot of like just make work work, a lot of worksheets, a lot of not teaching, a lot of like, you know, here's here's four hours of stuff you got to do all, all day long and um, not a lot of explanation of things. So we were having to jump in. So. For us, it was better when we were doing it than when the district was doing it. That's what's up. Reef. Yeah, I mean, I think my approach was the same. Like, you know, um, you know, our, our family, we don't rely solely on, on the schools, so we're always supplementing. Um, you know, we our, our daughter started kindergarten and we said right from the beginning, like, listen, she's she's above the kindergarten level and they, they you know they gave their entry test and they they agreed but you i couldn't really see any difference difference in the instruction like so we had to do that from the beginning it was online that they said hey you should they should access the first grade uh curriculum too and so they gave us access to that like but she wasn't getting that in the, the brick and mortar school right like we had to do that right and so but online it was like oh they should also she should also be doing this and that so i i think we always got to just you know supplement um, you know what we're offering our what they are offering our children, what we're offering our children, because it's it's never going to be enough. And then with this COVID situation, where it's distance learning, man, everything that we try that we would normally try to do on the weekend, I spread it out. We're we're you know entomologists and you know and every other you know, just, you know, out there that we're just trying to do, man. I'm thinking about this fall, raising chickens, having them raise it. That's going to be a class. You know what, Sharif? You're doing too much, though. <laughs> you're doing too much. Like, honestly, like, chickens. You're, yeah, you're doing way too much. Like, like, you know, if it was a competition and people are watching each other's social media feeds or whatnot, there's way more Xbox taking place in my house and y'all all outside <laughs> digging in the dirt, raising things, growing things, eating things that you grew yourself. Like, I, I thought I saw like, you know, you had like, you were making butter one day and weaving a loom and like making making rugs and some shit. I, you know, I'm like, what the hell is going on at the El Mecky house? Because over here, my kids are on, in, Charles, what's the, the, the Xbox game? They play the basketball on the... Uh, NBA Live. No, NBA 2K, bro. 2K. 2K. That's what NBA 2K. That's what it is. That, 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 oh, and anybody in your house that wants that smoke, I I, I definitely am a... I'm going to sick one of them on you then. I'm going to sick one of them on you. Because you know what? We're not making our own butter over here. We're not like making <laughs> rugs and butter. They get plenty listen, of screen time too that I love to navigate, you know? What did you say, Ray? I love this energy. I love this energy, love this banter, but this is an important go. topic and we got a lot of stuff to get to okay, because our fans came to hear and oh. prepare to get All ready right. for the fall. Let me put my that's what let me get. put my tie on. We're serious now. Well, Super I mean, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a parent, but I but I do support a lot of people and I think that it, it was different and 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 just things that I saw both Oakland and Chicago and just with different parents that I was helping support. Some of them were really cool with like the distance learning and it worked for them. And it worked with their schedules. And some, a lot of these people were essential workers and like single parent essential workers, right? So it was like, they had to like really scramble to kind of figure out who was going to be at home. Or sometimes they would take their kid with them into like some pretty dangerous kind of situations, right? Because they didn't have anybody like, to, to they didn't have help, you know what I'm saying? And so I like, I, again, I think Bessie could have really like, she could have said every, she could have held everything she said, but been like, yo, but it's a, it's a developing situation. You know what I mean? We'll take a look uh, because on the other side of this, it's a lot more people that's gotten sick. Like it's a lot of people like, and I don't think people really understand what strain has been put on our local hospitals uh, with what's happening. And it's really scary to think about forcing kids to go back to school. Kindergartners don't understand. They're not going to understand social distancing. They're not going to understand not touching everything or whatever the case is. Right. So, you know, I think that that's going to be rough. So, you know, that's that's that piece. Like we lost Ray for a second. But um, 
That's I I can't even imagine uh, Cole like just you know one keeping up with masks with with a bunch of elementary school kids and as you said not touching everything not coughing in your face like oh like man that's what I don't think people are talking about who are like all hot and trot to get people back in school is it's not going to be the same it's not like they're going back to normal school they're going to go back to some dystopian bullshit right they're going to go back to like desks being far from each other being constantly told stay away from each other washing their hands every five minutes doing the sanitizers you know um, having to eat differently having to play differently everything is going to be a little bit kind of you know mad maxish you know so so I, I, the people but what does recess again, look like Jeez. exactly and again to be fair to her though just in this one way is there's an educational question and there's an economic question the educational question is how we get kids back in school and how we get them to learn and all that stuff the economic question is um like, how can you not go back to school if workers are dependent? If the economy is dependent on people getting back to work and businesses reopening full time again, and and that's your if that's your problem, your conundrum, this becomes a much harder question just to say, well, we'll go back whenever we want to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm in Best Buy today, bro. There's nothing in Best Buy near me. Nothing. Yeah. Literally. I was like, y'all got some batteries? No. How you don't have batteries? This is Best Buy. How you don't have anything? They got four staff walking around there looking crazy with the mask on and whatnot. I, it hit me. This is not going to be back to normal for a long time, but it's going to cost us a lot of money if we don't. Yeah, and and I mean, now that we got Ray back, hopefully you can hear me. I mean, I think, you know, I'm interested in your answer, both as a parent and as a leader of a full system. Um, I mean, what and how has it been for you both in your own house and then just for the families that you've had to support. Yeah. So, I mean, for my, for my son, he's in high school. And so, you know, Google classroom has been pretty much, you know, a thing for them. And he's thrived uh, off of being in Google classroom and, uh, and not necessarily being in person because that's just him. That's just his personality. Like he, you know, I, I think he could probably go to an Ivy league and do online classes and be successful. My daughter, on the other hand, she needs more like hands-on. And so like the, the hour that she was getting or whatever via zoom just wasn't enough. And, um, yeah. And, and, and so it's just like, what's, what's, what's happening? I, I'm laughing because as soon as you mentioned your daughter, I thought about that, uh, that response she was giving you on, on the, <laughs> oh, the, the text. I, oh my God. I could, yo man, that joke was funny. Well, now you gotta tell people, people don't know what's happening right now. These inside jokes. What happened, Reef? Sorry. Well, listen, well, I mean, he could, this is the father he could tell, but just from an outside person, I was like, yes, like this is five. I thought she was six all this time. So the five-year-old but ray said ray talked slick to his daughter and she got with him like that's that's basically it but it was funny because it was one line like they were she was texting back like a teenager and he said she's five she, she's like <laughs> going on 45 like what like, so she gave him some rake some, some some regression that's what yeah <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> So, so how'd it feel to have somebody to have your daughter talk to you how you talk to us, Ray? Yo, she don't, she don't, she don't play fair, bro. She don't like, she don't play fair at all. But uh, in terms of, in terms of my school, we learned a lot. Uh, I feel like our middle, our middle school, like our middle school was amazing. We handled this amazingly as a middle school. Uh, we had classes throughout the day. We had online classes throughout the day. There was, there was check-ins. Um, you know, the, the teachers were doing assessments. Um, you know, it was just, it was, it felt like school. It felt like unschooling school for our middle schoolers. Mm-hmm. But um, for our elementary kids, they weren't getting enough. And, and the teachers weren't doing enough. Shout out to my teachers. I love y'all. But y'all weren't doing as much as the Damn. middle school teachers were doing. They weren't doing as much as the middle school teachers that were doing if they had a whole full schedule. So if you have a whole full schedule and you're with kids all day, and then you have elementary school teachers that have a Zoom for one hour, you can't even wait. You can't even wait that they know that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, there's a lot of things that happen with, with kids in terms of their attention spans and like how much you could get in with being you know, online with kids, but we got to do more. And as a leader, it made me reflect in terms of like what we need to do in order to, if we are going to do online learning, it's got to be more meaningful for, for, for our elementary school kids. Uh, and it's got to be the same kind of, it has to have the same kind of impact as our middle school kids are receiving. So that's what I got from it. 
Yeah, I mean, but it's it's hard too, right? Like a middle schooler can be on the screen longer, right? Can it can you know just the attention span and human growth development for you know six, seven, eight year old is just is just different than a 12, 12 13 year old, you know. So I think it's going to be it's just going to be a continuous uh, challenge to you know to do it. And I you know so, that, oh, go ahead. <laughs> Yo, we even got to damn near half the show. We only got the one question. <laughs> we having good conversation. Is but you know this is we this is the people come for they want to see us have good time making too many questions you always have too many questions you got like 80 questions like well, go we, ahead we man any questions in the show hey like, pull, 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 pull the other one out there brother what's the man, next listen, question hey yo miss toya produced this show man you know she, if we don't get to the questions she you know she gonna be rocking and rolling in them comments she's she, she gonna, she gonna get y'all all the smoke um so, so what's man, the next so, all right, so the next question. Um, what advice uh what advice to a family in a school system that has adopted a distant learning plan if if you if your parents themselves are essential workers? So if folks gotta go to work, what are they supposed to do and what's y'all the advice to them? Um, I mean, I would just start. I mean, that's that's just been something I've been trying to help people out with. Uh, and the best answer I got is just do what works for you. It is different for different people, you know what I mean? And um whatever would have been the agentic moment, whatever. But this, this is one of the pieces that we were just talking about is take it. If you a parent and you an essential worker and it's just you, or you don't have that type of situation, you really got to take inventory of who's in your circle, who you, who, if anybody you can reach out to and also know who your local, like religious institutions are, regardless of what religion, or if you're not religious at all, right? Like there are folks that's offering help. Who are the other organizations like the boys club, or I always say the boys club, but that's what was in my, in my neighborhood. But there are other, um, Right now, there need to be other organizations that are stepping up to help with this type of stuff. And then also talk to your school leadership. Like there should be some type of plan around this stuff. Right. So for me, I think that there should be some type of hybrid model that people can kind of opt in or out of. Like, again, we need to attack this and think about this the same way we think about things when somebody pisses the United States off from a war standpoint. Because if somebody like upsets us, like when the when the towers went down, there was plans and things were deployed. Right. Like we have to attack this this virus in the same way like it's at war with us we just we just had more people die from this virus than all the people that we lost in world war one right so like and how do we respond in the act of war and one of the first things you got to really take care of is how am i serving my most vulnerable people like again when you ain't got to believe in what i believe in but jesus looks at how you serve the people that needed the most help at that moment and if we are actually building a standard that can serve those people because everybody ain't got what ray got everybody don't have what chris got so how are we helping miss johnson who might got four kids and it might just be her and she doing work and she trying to go to school herself and if we can't as quote unquote the most powerful and all this stuff country then we ain't really worth that name bro America's a third world country. It's not. I'm just going to put that out there. America's 100% a third world country. It is not. And, and, and that's true for that's, third world countries. Oh, okay. it is, so it's, it worse is, than, it's worse oh, than third world countries. It's worse than third world countries. No, it's not. Oh, uh, no, I'm sorry. Let me let you finish your point. Let me let you finish your point because you going somewhere with that. Because you, you I'm just worried about, about where it's going. Country. I'm worried about where it's going, but I'm interested. So, yes. I'm, and, and, my bad. Let me let you finish. You just... I don't know if yeah. you go ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so so the reason why I say the reason why I said what I said is because if you look at some of the countries that are quote unquote third world and you look at how they how their COVID responses were with regards to how they've handled situations and whatnot, they're in a lot better shape than the quote unquote world's most dominant, powerful country. And so when you have 130,000 people die over uh, someone's arrogance, I don't look at that as being a first world country. That's that's that that's my take on it, right? And so, you know, as you said before, you know, if you if you look at America and you look at its most vulnerable people, like they've been getting shit kicked out of them for we've been getting the shit kicked out of us for over 400 years and nothing has changed, right? We're still getting the shit kicked out of us. And so that's that's my perspective. It's like it could be a first world country for some people, but for for for, for others like us and people that look like us, this is a third world country. It always has been. So that's that's my take. <laughs> 
You left us speechless, Ray. <laughs> I, listen, I agree with the sentiment. I just think that as somebody who's been to third world countries before, it's, it's just, I, I get it. I, I get the value, like this, this kind of shock value of it, but it, it, we're very different. But I, I get your point. Um, but, if, but if we know that, right? I mean, listen, I was trying to do research for this show and I just kept thinking about the Tuskegee stuff, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? When you when you look at like, when as soon as we found out who this thing was really, really really punishing and hurting that's when all this stuff about opening immediately and schools and all that stuff happened right and i don't know how many different ways somebody got to tell you that i don't think you ain't shit in your face for you to kind of get it you know what i'm saying so on that in that vein i agree with you i just as somebody bro who's been to like third world countries oh it was just like where we can water comes clean water comes out of my sink bro like I'm I can, a, I'm a world traveler too, sir. I get I it. I feel you. I feel you. But yeah. like you, <laughs> you're not gonna throw up if you drink. Well, in, in certain places or whatever. But I mean, but I get your point. Yeah. Chris and Chris I, mean, I just saw yeah, somebody. I mean, everybody, everybody, everybody. To be honest, everybody on this podcast is a world traveler, except uh, uh I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> uh, the guy I'm that a, just got his passport. No, yeah, I'm a domestic traveler. I'm not like you know, I'm going. I'm not like you, Bernie Negroes. <laughs> Bernie Negroes. Bernie Negroes. I'm, I'm different. Uh, I've only been here. I've been wait, 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 wait. I've been to Canada before it required a passport. They actually they let us across the border. They wasn't supposed to. That that actually was one time uh, that I had been out of the country. But hey, listen, I saw somebody just pop up who agrees with me on something. So I think it's really important to pull it up. <laughs> Let's find that person. But but they said because um, I like I like solutions like you know things yeah. we can do right now. So this person said uh, universal basic income and universal health care. If we were smart at this moment in time, we would have something very specific and hardcore that we would be right. pushing for all of our po- politicians. And in terms of universal basic income, there couldn't be a better time to make that a thing. Now, was it no Yang? Was it Yang was pumping that? that? Yang was pumping it up, but before Yang was. I mean, listen, that's been around for a long time. Ralph Nader like called for that a long time ago. And I think even Nixon called for it. It, it has been called for on different sides of the fence, but there wouldn't be a better, more opportune time for more people to see that it's a not just a possibility, but it would have to happen now. These little $1,200 things that we're doing or whatever, and that we're fighting over or whatnot, uh, we're putting on not just Band-Aids, we're putting on some tiny Band-Aids, some little bitty Band-Aids, on some big gaping ass wounds. And uh, <laughs> UBI is the thing. Now, healthcare would be a little different, but Charles, you know, you do a lot of hospital adjacent yeah. work. I, I think even that one, it would be a good time to put both of those up on the fence. I mean, we, we actually do that in Oakland, Chris, um, and, and, and our rest in peace to our former president who just passed away, but he was adamant. So basically, if you go to Children's Hospital Oakland, uh, we do all your services, we will invoice you, but we don't follow up. And uh, we don't we don't report you. We don't we don't return you in to uh, to, um, you know, to mess your credit up or anything like anything like that. Like he really believed that people, especially poor people living in Oakland, deserve to have the best health care possible. And God bless him, you know. And But that's what I'm talking about. Like that moral that 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 type of moral leadership. Right. Like, listen, you know, I mean, he didn't care what the boards felt. I mean, we had to do some stuff. I was, mm-hmm. it was before my time, mm-hmm. but that's something that 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 they pride themselves on, right? Is being able to serve you, whether you are from here, whether you're a citizen, whether you can pay for it or not. Like sometimes it just takes a leader to just kind of lead. Um, and, and this is the opportunity that I think that Bessie had. Um, and again, not to go back to her and to keep talking about her, but listen, I don't, I don't like this administration or whatever the case is, but if she actually came up with a plan, like you said, and was pushing on something, I would, I, I would, I would have crossed that line to help out if it was going to help or, or like, help our kids. This is the time when we're supposed to be the best of us. This is the time when we're supposed to have ideas from different people, right? You know what I'm saying? And and just to use these kids, and it's going to be them poor kids of color and poor white kids. Listen, man. Yeah. Rural. White, yeah. white rural people, yo, like I'm telling this to somebody who's living in Kentucky, man, like y'all, they going to get it so bad. And 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 it's just and it's just painful to just see that we still they still playing politics to the end, you know, and it, and it sucks. Yeah. All right. So I had this question. I use it as a warm up, but I really want to talk about it. Um, we we're we're asking teachers to essentially teach and put themselves in the same danger as essential workers. Uh, do they deserve hazard pay this fall? Sure. 
I mean, listen, man. I, it, 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 y'all know how I feel about striking and all that stuff, especially when it got it. it, it th- I would be surprised. I, you have my full support if there's no plan. Uh, and you, this is where you start talking about striking. This is where yeah. you start standing in solidarity. Yeah. This is where, regardless if you private, charter, traditional, whatever, this is where you kind of take a stand. This is where you show that it ain't about these politics, right? This is about safety. I need, I actually need to see people with that same energy that they had around when the red for air stuff if y'all had it for that moment y'all need to be turned up to a thousand right now this is live these are like i listen man i live with my granny for the like for the early parts of when i was a kid you feel me like i would have been one of those kids running around touching stuff sneezing on people playing and then coming home to my granny and like killing my grand yo like even saying that out loud i never said that out loud like i would have been coming home exposing my grandmother Mm-hmm. You, you like you, you know what I'm saying? Like so, if if if, if you are an essential worker, and this is the point where this is the moment where y'all use that political capital that y'all been banking, uh, and I you will have my support fully. Yeah, I mean, I was yeah. thinking the same thing. Like you know, as a principal, and Ray, you probably saw this too. Like, how many grandparents are the caretakers nice. in in the homes of, of your students, right? And uh, and so I, I think about that all the time. Like just on normal days, like how do we support our community and and things like that? And now you're talking about like people who are most at risk and the and the the other segment of the population, the children who are, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, where it's risky to be around them, you know, um, in this context. Right. Like and so just and, and that's what I mean by like with that leadership, I agree that moral leadership, just being a problem solver and say like, hey, we don't have all the answers because this is so fluid. Here are all the things that is keeping us up at night. Right. Like the the. You know, everybody who has, you know, uh, their immune system is compromised from students to staff. Right. How to get students from like, you know, they're talking about like, you know, one kid per seat per bus. How many buses is that now? You know, in, in some of these places, how long does it take when you know, what I mean, so if, if we just even start off, like here are the questions that we're trying to figure out and we want to get as much input. And yes, it's going to be a lot of context. You know, um, you know, the solution is going to be based on the context that you live in, all of that. But that's not how they come across. Man, it just comes across like, oh, y'all better do it. We're gonna cut your money if we don't. Like, I mean, that's so daggone ignorant, you know. Um, so, we just, I mean, there's a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of issues that. that and I, I, when you talk about like that that caretaker that's by themselves with yeah. a child, like that's yeah. real, man. Like that's yeah. you know, there's no simple answer for that. Not at all. Hey, listen. So I was I was having an exchange on um on our uh, eight black hands Twitter account with somebody, and 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 they were they had mentioned strike like you like you're talking about Charles, and so you know I'm usually 100 like hell bent against strikes. I think that you know I think that if you if if your first because usually when you see a lot of these negotiations, the first resort is to strike. It ain't the last resort. I think that the last resort should be strike. But in this instance right here, I would fully go on record as saying I would fully support a strike here because, you know, as Charles said, these teachers need to use their political capital that they got banked up because they got a lot of it banked up and and they need to assert their authority in terms of like what they want. Because what I'm seeing from folks, it, it, they're not even they're not even taking into account what teachers want here. They're not giving them a voice in the situation. It's just like, all right, well, we're talking to you. We're telling you what you're going to do. And if you are a principal or a superintendent and you're out there and you're telling people what to do and not asking them for their feedback, then you're doing shit wrong. Mm-hmm. Chris, pass it to you. I mean, listen, you were asking about hazard pay, but hazard pay don't help you if you're dead. Right. I mean, so are we asking teachers to do something that we ourselves wouldn't do? I'm not ready to get back out there and just do everything for everybody right now. So am I asking teachers to do something? I mean, hazard pay and better work conditions and all, all that sounds good. But if you are a teacher, that means you have learned a few things in your life. And one of the things that you have learned is the amount of incompetence there are in systems, the amount of incompetence there are in like implementing things. So if you are trying to talk about implementing a perfect safety situation so that adults can go every day, Monday through Friday, into these buildings and teach um, every day, and it's going to be safe. Like, you know, the same people have lied to you about millions of other things, or even if they didn't lie to you, they just were too incompetent to, like, get them, you know, um, um, implemented the right way. Now they're telling you, yes, it's going to be safe to come back. Listen, there were... 
educators have died already. There's been people that have, have, have died already. The science isn't telling us it's time to open anything up again. The science isn't telling us it's time to um, force people to into unsafe situations. The science is telling us it's still possible for there to be a second surge, that we don't know everything that we need to know. That that it's possible that there are some problems on the horizon that we didn't pay attention for, uh, we didn't pay attention to, and we we weren't prepared for. So if you're a teacher sitting at home right now, I'm like all the rest of you on this podcast. You all my brothers, we all the same way when it comes to we give people a hard time about striking, we give teachers a hard time about not wanting to do th- their work and do a full time day, blah blah blah. And at the end of the day, this is where I draw the line because if you were asking me as a teacher uh, to go teach right now. Uh, I would be telling you like <laughs> something that you would not appreciate. <laughs> yeah, don't do I mean, it. I think, I think about I think about the when there what the thing that makes me nervous about the strike is that I think there's going to be a, a a need for virtual learning, right? And so, if the strike means like I'm striking and I'm not doing anything, or am I striking? You know, I'm not, I'm saying I'm not going to school. Now they yeah. do those sick outs person, or whatever. In person. And I'm going to support my students and our community virtually. I think that's different than just I'm not doing anything. Um, right. You know, I, that piece makes me, you know, that makes me cringe a little bit because we actually need, you know, back in the day. And and, and uh, Chris and I spoke about this on on uh, a Freedom Friday show that that uh, Ankrum was just dissing. But we talked about when hey, he, came for me. he came for came my show. Time it happens every Friday at 9 a.m. Central. Staff <laughs> was deeply aligned with the families. Right. And so even when like white teachers went on strike, black teachers showed up and said, no, we're going to just make this a freedom school and we're going to teach anyway. Right. So, I, you know what I mean? So I, I would just say that as part of the problem solving, what we need are more educators, uh, you know, who are, yes, organizing and demanding and, and telling, you know, uh, whoever, whatever politician is it, who's saying put everybody at risk, giving them some kind of response, you know, as a as an organized entity, but also and also making sure that we are, you know, supporting our youth um, yeah. and families. So that's Perfect. what I was saying. Just like a little bit of like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but just I, I it would it would worry me about students and what they will receive. Mm-hmm. We already know that they, you know, spring and summer, you know, folks. Folks are falling behind academically. I mean, even if we wasn't in COVID, even if it wasn't a killer virus out there that's like at global proportions. Right. I mean, we've just seen there are still kids that go to certain schools that don't have access to certain classes just because they go to school in a poor neighborhood. Like we should this 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 hybrid model should be a thing even after this stuff. Like if I if I want to send my kid to the the school I went to in West Oakland, but I want them to have African-American literature and Berkeley High offers it, I should be able to sign up and just take that in, in virtual learning while I can also physically be in the school. See, everybody done carved up the board for they, for they gang, private school, charter school, traditional school. Like, what about just education? What about like, yo, how do we become the innovation leader again in the world around this stuff? And these are things that's easy. I mean, me and Chris just started this out joking about me and his kid playing NBA 2K from different states in the world. So why the hell can't I, I, I create a world-class education for my kid and go to my neighborhood school at the same time. Like this is the time for adults to enter the room and start coming up with actual ideas and plans. Look, Chris said, if you you got somebody in your house that's going to college, everybody should be sitting around that table learning at the same time. I was like, yo, that's that's for real. Right. Ray Ray, Ray was jumping in there. Ray Ray was jumping in there. Go ahead, Ray. Because I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking back to the to the to the third world country statement that I made. And I just want to talk about America's debt. Right, and so debt. Oh, money that we don't talk about the debt. Like, no, they don't. No, they don't. Republicans haven't wanted to talk about the debt for thirty years. Okay, so money, (laughs) money that money that we owe, right? And so, who do we owe that money to? What do you mean? A lot of our networks. Yeah, that's a different show. All right, all right. Kind of owes a lot of it. All right, so most of it is owned by China. Right. So jumping into another question here, uh, a lot of teachers fall into the high risk category. When I say a lot, I want to be specific about that. I want to say about 16 percent. I read in a chart that was uh, that are teachers between 50 and the age of 65. Um, and they are retired. I've even seen some young teachers that are retiring to prevent having to put their lives on the line. What are y'all's thoughts? 
they should, I mean, I, I, I've been going first. Somebody else jump in. I just think it's smart. I mean, there's nothing else we can really say about this, man. Like, yeah. listen, if you think that we should be sending teachers into a situation that nobody else is comfortable with, then, I mean, that's a different level of not appreciating teachers that I'm not even on. Because I give them a hard time about teaching and pedagogy and stuff like that, not about being human. And the fact of the matter is right now, this government is not trustworthy. Your government is not trustworthy. That's the one thing that should come out of this right now. And 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 your government right now is trying to get your asses back to work because your government wants to make taxes on people and they want to like have an economy running again and they have business interests that are trying to push them to push people to go back into harm's way on this or whatnot. You don't get out of this right now in my mind without some sort of economic restructuring it's not just throwing people back into schools so you are going to have to beef up beef up the infrastructure for distance learning you're going to have to give families other options and, and enrichment options and when it comes to the poor people who are frontline workers or falling beneath you know a certain income level you're gonna have to do something fairly economically radical um, to help them not have to go into harm's way because this is what's going to happen you're going to open schools families like mine are not going to put our kids back into schools if we don't trust it right so who's going to go back it's going to be mostly kids who who are disadvantaged with disadvantaged families and those are going to become little petri dishes so who do you think this is going to wipe out what kind of equity situation are you going to have if you force the schools to reopen or even if you do this hybrid shit families like mine are going to be incredibly incredibly like um, um hard to push into a situation that we don't want to be in right mm-hmm. so if you're getting pushed into that all the inequities going to come out of it teachers aren't trying to go back to that parents aren't trying to, some parents are not trying to go back to that um, and for the other ones that want to go back to that, listen, you know, world's your oyster, man. Do it. There's going to be like eight kids in your school. You can do that. That's all you. Reef. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I think this goes back to the, you know, the problem solving and stuff like, you know, is there if somebody retires, if this talented teacher retires, is there uh, organizations that can support them in, in getting PD to use online learning and distance learning? Right. Where they feel like, you know what, I, I'm a. I am just as strong online as far as like knowing how to use this stuff. Um, and instead of retiring, maybe transitioning, you know, if they want, you know, I, I think I agree. It's like, you know, people have to really make decisions about what they, you know, what they feel is best for them. Um, and some of them, I believe, will say like, hey, you know what, I'm going to now be a teacher, you know, a virtual teacher. You know, I, I think some folks may start more cyber schools, right? Like, I, I think they're it's just it calls for innovation. And we just haven't we haven't seen it from uh, the government. But when the governments don't that's when grassroots folks do it right the panther party started free breakfast and lunch program right and then the government wait 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 wait. then the government followed up with it and made it made it official uh yeah breakfast again breakfast oh stop it stop it break fast breakfast so you know so you know i think i think it's going to be up to communities and 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 uh, grassroots organizations, nonprofits, school communities, and they're going to come. They're going to be ahead of the government as as usual. Um, but this is a, a time to you know to figure this stuff out, and it's going to be a whole lot of uh, you know trial and error because it ain't. We're not going to have this uh, in a perfect way. Mm. All right, so so Yo, Tom, don't be, listen, we... listen, and and I, don't have me have Philly ride up to Long Island, bro. Like, don't be talking about hey, like my little come through, pull up. <laughs> hey, so so Patreon members, we're doing a show tonight, and and and, and I want to just give y'all a little <sighs> man. So Nina Reese is doing an interview with Randy on Wednesday, and so we're not going to talk about it now, but we're going to talk about it in the Patreon. Say Randy who. Tell people who Randy. Randy Weingarten. Randy Weingarten. Yeah, president. President of the UFT, the AFT, AFT, American Federation of Teachers. Yeah. So that's what we're talking about in the Patreon tonight. So if you're not a Patreon member, get there. Charles, back to you. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I don't even think I was about to say anything on that. But what I will say is, thank y'all so much for being here. And if you do have a moment, if you could share this stream. 
If you could comment or give a like or whatnot, it will help us out a lot. We want to reach more people and we can only do that with you all. So if y'all could take a moment and hit that share button with a comment, that would be really, really, really helpful. Thank you. Um, the part that I was going to kind of bring up, though, again, you know, Sharif brought up the Panthers. Uh, and this is a part where knowing your history is important, man, like black folks. Again, the reason that public education is even a thing in the South is because of black people. It is because of them. Also, like if you know your history in the late 1800s, early 1900s at Stanford, there was a eugenicist who had a mentee. And that mentee went on to become the head of research and development at, at, at OUSD, at Oakland, Unif well, Oakland schools at the moment. And he is the person who invented tracking. And he said that these black and brown and native people like we're going to create a system where they will end up uh, in cage the way that they that the way that they deserve to be like understanding where this stuff comes from and that we have always we know that you need to adapt or die right so this is our adapt or die moment like where do we step up and I just don't want us to feel like we are powerless in these moments because we not again the highest fastest growing level of reading in this country for black people was directly after slavery with people that had no resources and very little hope but they built and they did some stuff so how you know if we and if we expect the next administration to, to grow a brain or to grow um, uh, negotiation skills or whatever the case is, then it's going to be real bad for you. But oh, if you are yeah, working in your community, if you working oh, in your yeah. community, right? So for me, I don't have no kids. I'm single. I, my whole life is quarantined, right? Like, so it's fishing on this job. I'm single. I'll be every week. I hope can I please finish. Yeah, you, my, my point. Finish. <laughs> as a part of this community, as a part of as a part that brings some, something of value to this community, right? Like I have a lot less risk. So I when if when schools open, I'm gonna be in schools. I will be there and I'll be there trying to help people and help our folks because I'm at a low risk. And if something happens to me, there is not a bunch of people where you know what I mean? Like, and I think that what how we make sacrifices for people that we love should be the thing that goes on our tombstone. So I'll be there with you putting my health and my life on the line to make sure that black folks are getting the things they need because we do want kids to learn. But now don't start acting like, like, oh, we got to start this on day one. Like you just was killing it teaching black kids before. Less than a quarter of all black boys in California are reading on grade level. Less than a quarter. And of the kids that we graduate, it's less than 40% of them in our traditional public schools that's actually even qualified for the richest and biggest public college system on the, like in the United States. So what I'm saying is, is like, there's a whole lot of energy shifting and like this whole term of keep that same energy is, is qualified for right now because it's like, okay, this is the role that I can play, but I'm not waiting for Bessie or these districts or anybody to get it right. What, what can we do as community leaders to actually help our people out? Okay. You done? Cause I want to make sure you're done. Okay. So, so every, everybody, 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 I'm, uh, yeah, y'all can give me heat and y'all can give me the smoke. Come on, bro. Come on. I'm good with it. But everybody that's listening right now, Charles is fucking single. Everybody what? that's listening right now, everybody that's listening right now, everybody that's listening right now, Charles don't have no kids. And the reason why I'm doing this is because every fucking week you say the same shit and I'm sick of it. Oh my God, bro. Y'all crazy. What I'm making is there's a certain group of people that can go into schools and that can't go into schools, bro. You're going to quit disrespecting me on this show, though. I'm just going to keep it banned. I'm going to keep the whole thing. We already talked about it. You can keep it real. Real. Keep it it's real. I can get on a flight tomorrow solid. and I can meet you wherever we need to. How do you need to get it in, bro? Oh, God. Come on, That's, keep going. Let's go. All right. I, Nothing. But I'm saying every This is exactly why Southern hip hop was made because the East and the West Coast could not get along for nothing. For nothing. This is why this is why Outcast was born. This is this is exactly you guys have given us the dynamic of why the South rose up in hip hop. Because the East and the West Coast, y'all could not get along and couldn't get nothing done. I Anyways, it. It, yeah. So I, I, the one of the things I was thinking about, like for 
a lot of times we know gap years for our communities do not go well. Like students, black and brown students, uh, students who are struggling with poverty, um, you know, gap years because there's not a like a, a safety net or they're not like uh, opportunities for them to access uh, different experiences. But this may be this may be something that that school communities and and um, families and and folks who are interested in it, you know, investors and things like that can support, um, you know, black and brown children in particular with a gap year and like what would it look like right and just kind of reimagine things and saying just like you know what this isn't just for you know in between 12th grade and freshman year in college or your career maybe this is the gap year right where people can kind of invest in 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 giving students different types of opportunities different types of experiences uh you know as a as a response to the mayhem that you know uh, Betsy and 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 forty five are are peddling, and so it, it may be something you know it may be something like that. Like I, I just think we have to, and I agree with uh, what you said earlier as far as like you know the idea of American exceptionalism is a lie, mm-hmm. right? And so if we know that, and and Chris talked about like you can't trust them, like P said, don't trust it, right? So if we know that, and we have to think in some kind of innovative way, I'm thinking one way might be one is like the online learning. Khan Academy and any other, you know, uh, online systems that people have. I know we got flooded and bombarded in the spring, so it was hard for people to navigate. But if there are groups out there that are organizing that in, in a particular way and finding ways like, you know, the gap year might be might be something to take a look at. So I know we roll into final thoughts. Answer, we got to get out of here. Final thoughts. And uh, here's mine. Uh, I think Betsy was the wrong target. Um, I think she makes for good news coverage and she makes for good. She makes a good target. She's a good patsy in that way. Um, But the Department of Ed right now is not where all the power and all the action is. And I think all organizing should be about where's the power? Who's got the power to do what? And um, the situation that we are talking about right now isn't even really about schools. We need to make sure that parents, teachers and everybody are safe. Kids are safe. I don't trust that our government, at least the part that administrates schools and delivers schooling, are going to get everything right to where in two or three months from now, we're going to be good to go. I don't think the science tells us that. And I think people still need to make money and they need their money. So I can't see any way out of this. I'm going to stick stick with the same, same thing I said earlier. I don't see a way out of this without some sort of economic assistance directly to uh, people. That right? basic, uh, what'd you call it? Basic? Universal basic income Universal is like, basic. it's a long yeah. time coming. And and I feel like we're going to miss our moment if we don't ask for, for big things at a time like this, because um, there's no other way out of this. Like if you are, if you are in the lower echelon of workers right now, for instance, and there's an, uh, there's an uncertain future for what your employers are going to look like, what your hours are going to look like and all that, you still have to eat and live right now. We are not going to let, you know, millions of Americans kind of down. We're just not going to do that. Um, I don't think this administration or the next one wants to. But here's my problem. So like with Biden, we're this is an education show. Oftentimes, Biden is talking about tripling Title One. But most of that money is not really going to hit the kids. That's going to a lot of that's going to get in the system. I think families need help and relief so that kids can learn. Right. And right now, I think is that moment. So anybody listen, I hope everybody is willing to make the big play right now. That's all I got. And Betsy ain't gonna do it for you. You could put a little bit. You 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 could put Betsy in in a hot seat and say you got to figure this out right now. And her position and her role is not to actually do that. She's the she she's in the Department of Ed. That's not where the part the the problem is right now. So she's the wrong target. All right, uh, Reef, what you got? I mean, I I agree with that. He I, just I, have I, final thoughts. That was his final thought. Well, let me let me just agree. I agree with the bro. universal basic income because I think that can, that can solve a whole lot of issues. Um, I think you know, looking at uh, what the jobs look like, infrastructure, and I think it's going to be community based. You know, like I brought up the Panthers early. I think they're going to be things in the grassroots community that they're going to be responding to um, because of their context. So whether it's like, oh, this this person has to go to work and they have no caretaker, and how the community. Uh, uh, you know, 
response to that, I think is going to be uh, it's going to be huge. Uh, and I think as as much as school personnel can band with the communities that they serve in this, you know, um, in this kind of unison. And we talk about this going from fingers to a fist, making sure that everybody has uh, accessibility to uh, the online platforms, that their computers work, that it's not four kids sharing one um, laptop. All of those kind of things should just be standard along with that universal basic income. What can what should just be standard in this century uh, for everybody? And so, like, I, I think this I agree, like seize the time is what the Panthers used to say. Seize the time. Like we have to seize the time um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because once this windows closes, it's going to be, you know, another generation. A lot of this stuff is going to be cemented uh, for even longer. So let's let's break it up. Bring the sledgehammer. Charles. Fist to grab it. Uh, again, we you know, there's a there's a hospital briefing right now, but I'm doing this and they, they setting up some new guidelines. If you are an educator and you got kids at home, don't go. If you're an educator and you got and you married and you can bring that back to somebody, don't go. If you got your parents that live with you or people that got respiratory issues or whatnot, don't go. Like I, I get to see reports like people are dying. People are dying. Like it's it's not even a, you know, and I know we just had that little tiff, whatever. This is the point that I'm making is that like, even if you good, even if you healthy as an ox, like people are bringing that stuff home and it's clogging our healthcare system and we don't have the resources. So again, I think I agree with everything that Chris and Reef said around universal healthcare and things like that. But I want to just look at this camera and I want to be very honest with you. Like if you are an educator or somebody that works in those, in that system, like you can expose other people to it especially, and it's just really a sad thought to think that you're just trying to do what's right and you bringing stuff home and making your family sick. Um, that was that. That's my whole point. Um, and, and I just wanted to say, like, this ain't this ain't politics. This ain't like union anti union. This ain't like charter traditional. This ain't none of that shit. You know what I'm saying? And I think that if there's people that want to be out there in our community that can make those sacrifices. Amen. I'll do my part. But I'm begging you, if you got people in your house you love until we figure this thing out, don't do it. <clears throat> that's my final thought. Yeah. So my final thought is, uh, is man, I appreciate you fellas for coming on. I appreciate having the opportunity to uh, enrich our audience on this topic that's uh, super important to them and uh, super important to us as well in terms of us, uh, you know, keeping people alive. The Patreon is about to get rocking. There's about to be some threats, about to be some all kind of shit going on in this Patreon because that's what it's going to be. All right, but you've been listening to another episode of the Eight Black Hands. Send the Zoom link so we can get it cracking. You have been listening to the Eight Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at 8BlackHands1. Thank you for listening. <laughs>